So just how self-motivated are you? And are you prepared to take charge of your goals and achievements? That's what this episode of the Untapped podcast is all about. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, and I am on a journey this year to really look at how do we tap into our potential? How do we push past the limits that we've placed on ourselves? And how do we know what we're capable of? For those of you who have been listening, you probably know that I've been using triathlons as a way to really do this for myself, and I'm absolutely loving it. I've always been a fan of sports, but triathlon is just... It's something where a lot of your personal fortitude, strength, discipline, competitiveness, but also heart and devotion and perseverance come through in ways that I have never really experienced before. And it's bringing to light a lot of things for me around how we do place boundaries on ourselves, how we do have these limits that we have given to ourselves since we were young and that have been reinforced by society, family, friends, things we've heard and that we've really taken into account. And a lot of this comes down to how motivated you are to really take control of your life, to live your best life. And just this week, this question came up about self-motivation. One of our awesome members, Helen, in our Life Pilot Members Lounge, said that she'd done this really simple test or quiz across at Mind Tools. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And you'll find these at nataliesisson.com forward slash 008. And it was a really simple, short test to see how motivated you are. And this was coming up because the people in our members lounge have all taken our life pilot tool and methodology, and they're using it every single week, every single day to basically set their intentions, their goals and their visions for life, and then act on it accordingly. And this has been working super well for so many of them, but like life hands you, every so often you don't get it right. Every so often we stumble, we go off track, we forget about updating our plans for the day, we don't set our actions for the day or the week, we don't have a guiding North Star for the month, we, you know, we just get off track because quite frankly, to stay on track, to meet your goals, to have daily habits and intentions that serve you takes work. It takes planning. It takes effort. It takes discipline. And that's why 98% of people, which is not a real stat, but it's probably right up there with being close to being true. Don't follow through on things. Don't carry through with their dreams. Don't actually ever make any big changes in their life because they're not committed to it. They're not prepared to do it. They don't want to make the effort. They love the, it sounds really amazing. I'd love to be a triathlon champion, but nah, I don't want to get out and cycle, swim, run every day, train, eat the right food, commit, get up early, put in the effort. So this got me thinking that so much of this comes down to not only your habits or the environment that you've been in or the way of life that you've lived or the influences you've had in your life, but also your internal motivation. And this is what this test basically talked about. Because at the end of the day, the difference between those who never reach their goals year after year and those who achieve them year after year is self-motivation. It's the force that keeps pushing us to go on. It's our internal drive to achieve, produce, develop, and keep moving forward. It's the thing that when I was at Kinlock Triathlon last weekend, when I felt like walking and maybe even just stopping and giving up, it's the thing that went, no, Natalie, you didn't train for this long for this hard to come to your first sprint triathlon national championship and not do it. No way. No way are you not crossing the finish line. I don't care what state you're in. You're going to do it. And 
The thing is that self-motivation allows you to learn and grow, and it's such a fundamental tool for reaching your goals, achieving your dreams and succeeding in life in whatever way success looks like to you. So in this quiz, there were 12 statements to answer. And as I said, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but it was really quick. And then you just had to select, no, the statement doesn't apply at all through to very often I do this thing that you've written. I figured I'd come out pretty motivated and I was happy to say that my total score was 51. What the heck does that mean? That means that I was pretty much in the upper echelon of being, it says, wonderful. You get things done and you don't let anything stand in your way. You make a conscious effort to stay self-motivated and you spend significant time and effort on setting goals and acting to achieve those goals. You attract and inspire others with your success. Treasure this and be aware that not everyone is as self-motivated as you are. And I'm chuckling at that because I think my fundamental problem in life is that I think that people are as self-motivated as I am. And so when I'm doing things or I'm competing or I'm turning up and I'm committing and I'm putting in the effort and people are like, wow, that's, you know, amazing. <laughs> I'm like, but isn't it just what we do? Isn't it how we go through life? Isn't wanting the best possible life showing up and being your best possible self? Turns out not. So I thought I'd discuss in this episode of Untapped the four factors that are necessary to build the strongest levels of self-motivation. I am literally going to be taking this from their quiz. So once again, this is full credit to Mind Tools, and I'm going to pop that link below. Come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 008. And while you're at it, I meant to say in my last podcast episode, but I don't think I did it very well. I will not ever have advertising or sponsorship on this podcast. I fully fund this podcast. I pay my editor. I pay for the tools and the platform and the publishing needed to put this podcast out there. I put in the effort to research it, to make the time to record it, and to teach, share, and hopefully inspire, educate, and motivate you. So in return for this, if you get value from my podcast, if you enjoy it, if you learn, if you implement, and if you genuinely enjoy it, I would love for you to support the podcast. And you can do that over in my show notes that I've given you the link for a few times. And you can also go to nataliesisson.com forward slash love. I'm using Press Patron, a company that I have also, disclaimer, invested in because I think they're great. And they allow content creators and journalists to turn up and put out great content and have people like you, the listeners, the viewers, the readers to support it. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart if you feel like supporting in any way with any small contribution. It all goes towards the making of this podcast. So what are the four factors necessary to build really strong self-motivation? They are number one, self-confidence and self-efficacy. Number two, positive thinking and positive thinking about the future. Number three, focus and strong goals. And number four, a motivating environment. And I'm going to share a bit of a big surprise when I get down to number four for you that you're going to be probably almost the first people to hear about. So part of being self-motivated is having good levels of self-assurance, self-confidence, and self-efficacy, according to Mind Tools, right? So being self-assured means that you'll set challenging goals for yourself. It's also about a resiliency factor for when you encounter setbacks. Last year, I encountered a pretty big setback in my business, and it really knocked me because I took it quite personally, and I noticed how much it affected my confidence, and that was rare for me because one thing... I believe that I've become very good at in running a business for 10 years is dealing with setbacks and any failures and embracing them, learning from them and moving on. And I'm thankful to say that 
as a result of that pretty massive setback and knock to my confidence that I have done that. But it felt like it took a good couple of months to really get back on the right track, which might be quickly bouncing back to other people. But to me, it felt like a little too long to get hit by that. On the whole, I really credit resiliency for being able to be in business and to love it and to thrive and to continue to work through some of the tougher times to being resilient and to being self-assured and to being really confident in what I know and what I don't know and what I'm strong at and what I'm terrible at and to really play to the strengths and to continue to do the work that I love. Self-efficacy is the other aspect of confidence here and that's your belief in your own ability to succeed and your ability to achieve the goals that you set for yourself. Now, this belief has a huge impact on your approach to goal setting and the behavioral choices as you work towards those goals. So according to Bandura's research, who is a psychologist from Stanford University, high self-efficacy results in an ability to view difficult goals as a challenge, whereas people with low self-efficacy would likely view the same goals as being just beyond their abilities, right? And they might not even attempt to achieve them. Now, you're listening to the Untapped podcast, which is about living up to your potential. So you are not going to have low self-efficacy, my friend. No, you're going to listen to this podcast the whole way through. It also contributes to how much effort a person puts into a goal in the first place. You and I both know when we've set goals that you are just so damn excited about And you are going to move heaven and high earth to get those done. You clear your schedules, you set up your environment for success, you talk to the right people, you tell people publicly, you get whatever you need resource-wise to make it happen, and you just go for it. And what happens? You typically smash that goal. You smash it because you are committed to it and you are going to do it no matter what. Whereas there have definitely been goals when I've been like, yeah, I really, really want this. And then you know And I know when you've set that goal that you're like, "Mm, I'm setting this goal because it seems like it's a cool goal to have and it would be a stretch, but I'm not fully engaged in it and it's a little bit scary and, you know, I might tell a few people about it, but I'm not really gung-ho on it and just, you know, we've all set those goals and typically they just don't work out. No matter how much you kind of try to make it happen, you don't prioritize it. So in short, If you develop a general level of self-confidence in yourself, you'll not only believe you can succeed, but you'll also recognize and enjoy the successes you've already had. And that will just inspire you to build on those. And then there's this wonderful momentum that comes with that, that is really hard to beat and to stop. So ways in which you can build self-confidence and self-efficacy, as they suggest, are the following. Think about the achievements in your life. And we don't often do that, right? We don't think back on what we have achieved. And it's why in my one-page business plan, I get people to write down their qualifications, but also things they're really proud of that they've done. Even if that was getting their first aid certificate when they were 13, or getting their driver's license, or volunteering for some cool organization. Or for example, for me, I'm still proud of the fact that I entered a diving competition as a complete like novice, grabbed a coach who was willing to work with me a few weeks before the school swimming competition and came third in the diving. Like I don't know, just that was just something I'm proud of. It has absolutely no meaning anywhere else in my life, apart from the fact that it gave me confidence that I could do it. And then I applied that to other sports and other areas of life. You also want to examine your strengths to understand what you can build on. I am so over people saying, you know, work on your weaknesses. For sure, work on them to a point where they're not a massive weakness. But if you're really strong in things, 
do not push that to the side. Keep focusing on your strengths and using them to your best abilities. Also, they suggest determining what other people see as your strengths and capabilities. And I have come to realize over the past year of especially being back in New Zealand and surrounded by people, and I didn't appreciate just how my skills and experience were actually valued. And it wasn't until enough people here told me, oh, wow, I don't know how to do that. Or, oh, my gosh, we've been looking for something like that. Or, oh, how do you even do that? Or, wow, how did you, you know, publish a book? How do you build sales funnels online? Oh, my gosh, how do you travel around the world for so long? It was just not even that. It was just beyond that. It was just all these things that I kind of took for granted because I've built them up over skills and experience over years. And then I see people out there who are just like rocking it in this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but look at them. When you come back to your homeland and people are like, oh, my God, you've built up this amazing skill set, you suddenly start to value it in a different way. And it was often other people telling me that I had all these skills that I just didn't necessarily value as much as they did. So that is a really wonderful thing. Turn to your friends, your peers, your colleagues and say, hey, you know, what do you see as my strengths and capabilities? Please just even one or two things and build up that beautiful list and keep it and work on it. The next thing is to set achievable goals for yourself, to actually work to achieve them and then enjoy that achievement. Like one of my biggest goals when I did the Kinlock Triathlon was to have fun. And it wasn't always fun the whole way throughout the race, but on the whole, it was fun. The whole journey was fun leading up to it. It was a blast. It was like one of the most challenging yet rewarding fun moments. And I know I will have more. And the fifth one is to seek out mentors and other people who model the competencies, skills and attributes you desire. And I can't hammer home also how important this is. Like nobody is meant to go through a journey of self-development, of gaining self-confidence, skills, expertise and success in their life without the support of others to lend you a hand on the days when you're like, oh man, I just, I have nothing left or I suck or I don't know what I'm doing or I, I can't do this anymore. That is exactly when you need to turn to these people who are like, yeah, you do. You got this. Oh my gosh, it's a walk in the park. What do you, you know, they're the people who turn up and go, Natalie, let me list all the reasons why I love you. And you get that on the day when you need to hear it most, on the day when you totally don't love yourself. So to come back to it, self-confidence, you can get from really celebrating the achievements that you've already had in life, focusing on your strengths and how you can build on them, getting a list of your strengths and capabilities from friends, peers, colleagues, people that know you. So you have like this awesome list to come to in times when you doubt it yourself. Setting achievable goals and then working towards them and enjoying it when you hit them. And then seeking out mentors and other people who already have a lot of the skills and competencies and success that you really, really desire and that are more than willing to give generously of their time, of their knowledge to help you give you a leg up so that you can get onto the same path as them. So those are the things for building great self-confidence. So the second step in building up self-motivation is positive thinking and positive thinking about the future. And that's because your life today is the result of your attitudes and choices in the past. And your life tomorrow will be the result of your attitudes and the choices you make today. It's a beautiful quote by an unknown author, but my gosh, they were wise, weren't they? So I think there's quite a lot about positive thinking that people get completely wrong. It's not just about being optimistic all the time, 
which is a lovely trait, but it can be goddamn annoying when you hang out with those people. Trust me. Like I, I'm a very, very positive person, but when I'm hanging out with somebody who's like, oh my God, it's great. Oh, everything's wonderful. Oh, I love being in this line. Oh, I love that the plane is delayed. Oh, I love, love, love. I'm kind of like, oh my goodness. I'm not talking about that ridiculousness level of positivity, even though it's, you know, it's very commendable. I'm talking about just glass half full or glass half empty moments when you always take the positive out of something, even if it's not the result that you wanted. Maybe the situation's a little bit shitty, but you can still see the positive in it and you can still take the lesson from it. And if you think that things are going to go wrong and you worry about stuff or that you won't succeed, that pretty much comes true. And the flip side of that is if you just know things are going to be okay, that you're going to find a solution, that things are going to work out just fine, that also comes true. So whether you do or you don't, it's all up to which you decide to choose, right? So you might as well choose the positive side. And your thoughts are a major part of this. They have a huge influence on whether you succeed or fail. So you might as well get those thoughts on your side. I've talked about this in a few previous podcasts, negative thinking, limited beliefs. Man, we all have them. They suck, but they just never turn out right. So you might as well focus on the stuff that's within your control that you can focus on. Positive thinking just helps you think about an attractive future, one that you want to go towards. And when you're always expecting positive results, your choices will be more positive and then you'll be less likely to leave your outcomes to fate or chance, right? And that comes through having a really vivid picture of success. That's why I've used the painted picture ever since like two 2010 or 11. So it's about having a really strong visual, like that you can smell, see, hear, etc. And helping yourself to bridge the gap of where you are right now to where you want to be in that vision. That is the thing that's going to give you the impetus and the motivation to achieve. And so you can apply the power of positive thinking by doing the following. You can become aware of your thoughts and you can simply write these down throughout the day. If these thoughts are negative, you get to challenge them and you get to replace them with positive ones. So if you're particularly stuck and you're just beating yourself up, write it down, write down the negative thought and then rephrase it into the positive. So an example of that was, oh, I am not a good podcaster. I suck at this. I can't interview people. I don't have what it takes. So you write that down, right? And then you completely reframe it. I am a wonderful podcaster. I love interviewing people and I have a really great style of doing that. I have everything it takes in my capabilities to become a brilliant podcaster and I am committed to taking action to keep improving to become that podcaster. Right, so I just made that up on the fly, but that is an example of reframing and replacing your negative thoughts with positive ones. Along with that, what we talked about is creating a really strong and vivid picture of what it would be like to achieve your goals. So in Life Pilot, we have something called Life Canvas, which is my painted picture from years ago turned into a beautiful canvas where you put up images and wording of the area of life that you want to improve. So for example, a relationship goal, you'd have a beautiful photo that means something to you. You'd have strong outcomes and statements for where you're going to be three years from now. And then you put yourself, you don't just stop there on that slide, you put yourself into that situation, you live it, you breathe it, you visualize on it every day. And guess what? It starts to become your reality. It's pretty freaking awesome. You can also develop affirmations or statements that you can repeat to yourself throughout the day. And they should actually remind you of what you want to achieve 
and why you will achieve it. So just repeating an affirmation of, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself is not necessarily going to cut it. But I love myself because I am energetic, loving, generous, trustworthy, happy, kind, nurturing, smart, whatever it may be, but really having the why behind that statement. And then practicing positive thinking until you automatically think about yourself and the world in a positive way every day. Okay, so hopefully those have been some good activities to get you going. The third aspect of self-motivation is focus and strong goals. Now, in this part, apparently I scored an 8 out of 10. And uh, what does that mean exactly? Well, basically, I set focused, clear goals with a sense of direction, and they help me to build self-confidence and achieve. That's wonderful. It really is. And the first step in this third step does that even make sense? I hope so, is that you need to determine your direction through effective goal setting. So when you set a goal, you make a promise to yourself. And part of the strength of this is that it gives you a clear direction. And part of it is that you've made this promise to yourself and you want to keep it. Because otherwise, if you can't even keep a promise to yourself, who can you keep it to? And part of that is that it's a challenge to keep it. And it's fun to try and meet that challenge. But here's what I liked about this assessment and the mind tools kind of summary is that they use something called Lockie's goal setting theory, which is that your goal should have the following characteristics. And this might be different to what you've heard before. Clarity. So you need effective goals that are clear, they're measurable, specific, and based on behavior, not outcomes. Note that I didn't say they were smart goals. They were specific, they were measurable, and they were clear, but they were based on behavior, not outcomes. They should be challenging. So they should be difficult enough to be interesting, but not so difficult that you can't reach them, which is something I've definitely done in the past. She says, aiming for a half Ironman at the end of this year. Okay, I digress. They should also have commitment. So they should be attainable and relevant, and they should contribute in a significant way to the major objectives you're trying to achieve so that you have set a very serious commitment. Serious but fun. And here's where I think it gets interesting with this Lockheed's goal setting theory, where most people go wrong, is it should have regularity of feedback. So you need to monitor your progress towards your goals, maintain your sense of momentum and enthusiasm, and enjoy your progress. Now, I've seen all of that come together through my triathlon training. I have been able to see and track through the Training Peaks app exactly how fit I'm getting, what level of fatigue I can handle, my chronic training load. I don't fully understand all these terms, but I'm getting there. I can see it in graphs. I can see it in the checked off trainings that I've done. I can see that momentum going up and it is feedback to me. It's giving me a course direction. It's plotting my journey. It's showing me that if I continue on this way and I hit all my trainings and I keep doing the things that my coach is telling me to do, I should be ready in December for the half Ironman. Theoretically and science-based, this should happen. But without that, I'd be pretty lost. Like if I didn't have a clear goal every week, if I didn't know what the heck I should be training on each day, if I couldn't see some sense of improvement, I'd be fully demotivated. It would not be, even my level of self-motivation would not help enough. Okay. And then the fifth bit is sufficient respect for complexity. So that means if the goal involves complex work, you don't want to overcommit yourself. So You've got to make a goal achievable and a little bit complex to make it challenging and rewarding. However, you can't make it so complex that you're kind of setting yourself up for failure from the get-go. I hope that makes sense. Cool. 
And when you have a variety of goals, like in Life Pilot, we talk about goals for health, wealth, habits, relationships, impact, work. Yeah, those are some of the biggies, personal growth. And we we get people to set their own areas of life, but every person sets a goal for each of those areas. And so you need to make sure that you can schedule your time and your resources effectively to actually make those goals happen. Otherwise, you'll just be like failing from the get-go. And that is where the focus part of self-motivation comes in and where I see so many people going wrong because they don't prioritize and establish a schedule that helps them succeed. And I keep harping back to LifePilot, but the whole reason it works for Josh and I and the whole reason why we put it out there publicly for people to do is that it does that. It like If I set a monthly goal or a three-monthly goal, I can track it right back to what do I need to do today to make that happen. Without that before, it was just, it was a mess. It wasn't good, even though I'm very, you know, disciplined with stuff and I will persevere. It just was way messier. Okay. And the fourth one is really critical. And this is where my little surprise is going to come out is that it's about a motivating environment. And I think most people overlook this. So they might have a system for goal setting and they might have an accountability buddy and they might be able to track their progress and they might have good visualization and really, you know, these brilliant goals, but they don't set themselves up with the right environment. And this was, for me, something that was so important and something that I've noticed big time not working as well for me this year. So you know that I live on this beautiful property. I talk about it a lot. It's absolutely gorgeous. I get to look out the window. I'm looking out the window right now at a horse, at my puppy who is stalking the chickens, the chickens who are in my vegetable garden. There's a lot that I need to do out there right now, but the garden is beautiful. It's gorgeous weather. The hills are in the background, blue sky. Like I couldn't imagine living in a more magnificent space. So I'm really, really thrilled and happy. But what this has done has absolutely played into my, I love freedom and I love flexibility. And it's given me just a little bit too much of that. And I've noticed over the last couple of months that I am starting to be less effective in my working week. I'm taking more time to do a lot more fun things, which is not a bad thing, but I'm just less effective in my work schedule and in my productivity. And I figured out that the reason why is I've done too good a job over the years of systemizing my business, of being productive, of scheduling things, of working with my team and of placing great boundaries on things that I am kind of squandering my time. I'm not lazy. I am not not getting stuff done. But in any given week, I'm spending maybe 20 to 25 hours on work. And that's not just my business. My business, as I talked about a little last year, could probably be condensed down into a one day a week business if I really made it happen. And I talked about this experiment and now I'm actually going to get to put it into practice because I am changing my environment. I am going to be placing some demands on myself and some boundaries on myself and some constraints so that within those constraints, I have a different kind of freedom. More on that soon. So a motivating environment is about focusing on surrounding yourself with people and resources that will remind you of your goals and help you with your internal motivation. So these are external factors. They help you get motivated from the outside, which is different from the internal motivation we've discussed. And and in Atomic Habits, a book by my friend James Clear that recently came out, He talks a lot about creating the right environment for your habit to succeed in. For example, you know, you clean your office or your desk before you start work. 
You don't put cookie jars in front of you if you have a cookie addiction. You set yourself up with, um, you know, a great calendar that is clear for the day or well planned out, depending on what your goal is or your habit, so that you can go straight into knowing exactly what your priorities are. It's about putting your sneakers right beside your workout gear, so which is right beside your bed, for example, so that you prioritize fitness. So it's all these ways of what we're calling habit stacking and, and creating the right environment for your habit to succeed in. And I will link to those in the show notes for this episode because I've done a couple of vlogs on them that have been going down really well where I explain it more clearly and you get to see me on YouTube. Okay, so this is about external factors and you can't just rely on external elements to motivate you, but they make a huge difference, right? They are going to be... They're going to be like your coach. They're the extra support that you need when your internal self-motivating factors aren't working as well for you. So these are things like looking for teamwork opportunities. If you work remotely, if you work by yourself all the time, it's introducing a team to make you accountable to others. So it might be an accountability partner. You might join a sports team. You might join a local walking club. You might join a sewing or cooking club, whatever it may be, where there's a team of people that you can rely on, look to for support, but also have to turn up and show up and be accountable for. If you work for a company, you can ask your boss for specific targets and objectives to measure your success. Typically, they should provide those anyway with KPIs, right? Key performance indicators, they should tell you what you should be doing. But you can always go ahead and ask them more if you don't feel you're getting that level of motivation yourself. So having external accountability is massively motivating for some people. You can ask for interesting assignments in your job, right? And you can say, look, I really need more of these things in my life to really drive me and get me excited in addition to the work that I do. If you're an entrepreneur, you get to uh, vary your work. So maybe you take on some volunteer work. Maybe you do some mentoring. Maybe you take on some extra work outside of your own business to stimulate those needs. Or maybe you introduce clients that provide an extra challenge to you, right? Set up some goals that you can easily achieve because quick wins are really motivating. So we don't always have to choose complex, challenging, rewarding ones. We can just set up some really simple ones like make my bed. I mean, that should be a habit, but initially it might be a goal. Make my bed every single day for the next five days and make them easy so you can totally do that. You can do that in 60 seconds or less and then when you've hit one of those goals. You can also buddy up with people who you trust to be supportive. So I have a couple of folks that I am doing my triathlon training with sometimes. Often I'm just doing it alone, but what I've realized is I really need to join some triathlon clubs. I need to find runners groups. I need to sw find a swim training clinic and I need to find a cycle group so that I can go out on the big long rides and rather than listening to audiobooks and podcasts, which are awesome, but I can go out with people and I can get them to really push me and I can stick with them and I can challenge myself and I can um, set my pace off them and, and they can be like, hey, this is the route we're doing and you just turn up and have fun and it's all about bonding and teamwork, right? So I've realized how important that is for me if I want to take this to the next level in my triathlon training. And it's also about trying not to work by yourself too much because you need to balance the amount of time you work from home with time spent working with others. Which leads me to my rather big announcement. It's at the time of recording this, I am about to sign on the dotted line of a contract for a job. Yes, this will be my first job in over 10 years and I am really excited about it. It is a job that came out of nowhere organically 
through a few conversations. I didn't even have to interview for it because part of being a personal brand and influencer online is that your work kind of precedes you and your credibility and your performance is very much publicly out there for other people to see. So you get to bypass some of the interview questions and tests because you've kind of proven it. But this has come about because I was relishing working with a team. I miss working with a team. I miss being in a different environment to working from home or cafes. And I really wanted a stimulating environment, a new challenge, a new set of skills to learn, a place to put my skills and experience after 10 years of building multiple businesses into somebody else's business to see how effective they'd be. Like I'm really curious to see how much of my skills and experience can be applied in another business. I'm also curious to see how they run their business. I'm curious to work with smart, intelligent, stimulating people again. I'm curious about being in a role where I'm essentially going to be business development and relationship building where I don't actually have to ship work. I don't have to turn up and do the content. I don't have to turn up and make those things happen. That's what I turn to the team for because they have that all in-house. I'm curious about what it's going to be like to build up relationships and networks in my hometown again, to be able to travel with this, to go to some of their international offices where they're growing and be able to see and apply my skills there. So this is massive because even three years ago, I was always the one preaching, start your own business, do your own thing. And I absolutely still advocate for that. But man, am I looking forward to after 10 years of of leading everything, of being responsible for every single aspect of my business, for my team, for my profit, for my revenue, for the ideas, for the shipping of every single course, book, retreat, workshop, and idea, I'm really looking forward to adding value back into a business and to be doing it within their remit and finding freedom and opportunity within that, but with these constraints and structures around, you know, working weeks and things that I think I'm going to find quite challenging, but also really, really useful for me. And I have chosen to do a four-day work week. Um, I get to choose remote days that I get to work from home and I get to choose the hours and I get to be really flexible on that. And without that, I don't think this opportunity would have worked. But yeah, that's my big news. And a huge part of this is because my self-motivation can only get me so far And I'm very thankful for having a lot of motivation, but I was missing that motivating environment and I was getting a little bit complacent in my own setup (laughs) and my own freedom bubble that I'd created. And so I'm looking forward to uh, stepping out of that and stretching my boundaries and my capabilities and of course, living up to my potential. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Untap. This was all about how self-motivated are you? Come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 008 for the full show notes and also the link to this quiz to a lot of the resources that I've talked about throughout this podcast and to leave a comment on what you think about your levels of self-motivation and what steps you're going to take from the ones that I shared here that are going to work for you. I would love to know. I'm Natalie Sisson. It's been a pleasure and remember to live up to your potential.